Bibles today, would you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6. In a moment, uh, we'll be looking at our passage, which is uh, verses 5 and 6 here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In a sermon that I've titled, Loving God More Than His Gifts. Loving God More Than His Gifts. All throughout the Bible, we find that love and obedience are intertwined. Obedience is one of the best ways for us to show that we love God. We hear Jesus state in John 15 and verse number 10, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. We see a similar truth established in 2 John chapter, 2 John, there's only one chapter in 2 John, in verse number 6. This is love that we walk after his commandments. In 1 John 5, verse number 3, the Bible also states, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. And finally, we're told in Deuteronomy chapter 10, and verses 12 and 13, that obeying God's commandments is actually for our good. It says, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee, but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. As you grow to know God more, you begin to understand the different things that he expects from you. Now, this idea of showing love through obedience is really not anything new. This was something that every child was taught by their parents. You were taught to obey your parents as a child. And most of the time, the disobedience would be met with consequences. And nonetheless, your acts of obedience demonstrated that you loved your parents and that you were willing to submit to their love and to their authority when you followed after what they instructed. When you disobeyed them, there were consequences to follow. And when you obeyed them, blessings would ensue. They would show favor. They'd show appreciation for your obedience and reward you accordingly. And this is something that we find to be true with our personal relationship with God as well. Your faith and your Christian life, it grows out of your relationship with God. The more we read the Bible, the more we learn of God, and the more we understand what it is that God requires of us, how he expects us to live. This is important for us to be the recipients of God's blessings. If we're going to remain under the flow of God's blessings, we need to be walking the path of obedience. How can we expect to be blessed abundantly by God if we're not following his commandments, if we're not obeying him? Many people decide that obedience to God is just too difficult because it's asking way too much of them. Others find that what God requires of them is going to be too painful. It'd be involving too many sacrifices to do and to obey everything that God has called us to do. What we must realize is that as the Bible tells us, God is our loving Heavenly Father. And the things that He requires for us to do are actually intended to make us better. They may be tough. They may call for some drastic changes to be made. They may require us to uh, severely alter our behavior, make some serious life decisions, but they're all going to be for our better. They will be worth it. There were certain rules. There were certain requirements growing up in my parents' house that 
my parents had that to me, they made no sense at all. Made no sense at all. But I've come to realize why these rules were in place. They loved me and they wanted to set me up for the best future possible. And this is the same as we see with God. The more we grow in our knowledge of God, the more we begin to understand that God allows difficulties, God allows painful things in our lives as a means of strengthening us, as a means of preparing us for the future. Confidence in our life is not going to come through becoming as strong as God. It will come through obedience to God's word. One of the best, one of the least understood truths of the Bible is that obedience for the Christian is not about following a list of rules, but it is about willingly submitting to a God who loves us and wants the best for us. The blessings that come from God to the obedient Christian are, are truly remarkable. But the blessings themselves pale in comparison to God himself. The real reward for the Christian is not the gifts and the blessings that he's going to get from God, but loving God and being loved by God. Notice our passage this morning, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. So many Christians get caught up in the gifts that they receive from God that they fail to realize that the true gift is God himself. And that's not to say that the gifts that we are given from God aren't remarkable, aren't awesome, aren't incredible. They are. We're told in 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 9, it says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. What you're going to receive from God through your obedience to him is going to be more remarkable than anything you've ever received. It's going to be awesome, he says. The gifts God, the gifts that God gives us are better than what we could have ever imagined. We're told in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20. It says, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. The things that God does for us, the Bible says, are exceeding abundantly above what we could ever think or ask. Anything that we could ever imagine. No Christian, I promise you, has ever or will ever be disappointed with the blessings that he receives from God in his life. We're told in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 7, the Bible says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. There are so many verses that express the great love that God has toward us and how he plans to shower us with exceeding abundant blessings. What a dismal life the Christian life is, isn't it? Turn to the person next to you and say, the Christian life is awesome. God's plan is to love us so much and do greater things than we ever imagined. God's plan is to make us rich through exceeding riches. Does this sound like anything you don't want to get on board with? No. Right? Who wants that? Who wants to be showered with blessings? Who wants to be made richer, not just monetarily, but richer in blessings and in just love that God has for us? No one wants that, right? We're pretty content with the life that we already have. We don't need anything extra from God, right? 
We don't want to be blessed any more than what we've already been blessed, right? Are you alive? No way, no way. We all want the blessings that are spoken of in the Bible. We all want abundant blessings. God, pour them onto us. I can't have enough of them. We want God to bless us, as the Bible says, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Think. How crazy is that? Sometimes we ask for crazy things. And God says, when you're obediently following after me, I'm going to give you above what you even think to even ask me for. We want to be overflowing with God's blessings. And as exciting as it sounds that God plans to richly bless Christians, the major problem, though, in modern Christianity is to favor the gift instead of the giver. The focus of the teaching and the preaching today is more on the gifts and the blessings rather than on God himself. Little emphasis is placed on the fact that God rewards Christians through their obedience, not just for the sake of them being Christians. Oh, you're saved? Have something else. Oh, you're a Christian and you do nothing about it? You know what? Just because you're a Christian, I want you to know how much I love you. You've been disobedient, but you're a Christian, so here's some more blessings for you. Is that how God works? He doesn't just bless you because you're a Christian. He blesses through your obedience. It is true that every true Christian is saved forever. You're, you're saved eternally. Nothing's going to change that. You'll be received into heaven one day. But God has plans for many true Christians, for, for many ways to bless us more while we're here through obedience to him. In many ways, we've missed the mark when we've suggested that the greater blessing is the gift instead of knowing God himself. In emphasizing the gifts instead of the giver, we've made Christianity all about us. We've transformed a belief system that was originally centered upon God to now being all about us. What's in it for me? What's in it for me has become the slogan for modern Christians more focused on rewards than and bettering themselves instead of getting to know their Savior. What has happened is that Christianity has quickly become man-centered rather than God-centered. There's no talk about blessings from God coming as a result of obedience to God's commands. Instead, it's all about believing that you're entitled to certain things and to blessings because you're simply a Christian. Remember earlier how I said that obedience is one of the best ways to show that you love God? Well, it's safe to say that the agenda being propagated throughout mainstream Christianity today is not one of love for God. Sure, God is still sought after, but God is only sought after to get people what they want. God has become a magical genie to dispense gifts and blessings upon our request. This idea of loving God has been polluted with Christians wanting to love themselves first, and therefore they're going to beg for the blessings and not thank the thank the giver the biblical command to love god more is flat out ignored the words from deuteronomy chapter 6 here aren't looked upon as being valid or even helpful for the modern christian maybe they were necessary back then maybe they were even necessary in jesus's day but modern christianity has evolved into something so much different that what it says here in deuteronomy chapter 6 is no longer applicable and thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thine heart with all thy soul with all thy might and these words which i command thee this day shall be in thine heart Loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might requires making God, God, the object of your love, not the gifts that you're to receive from him. 
God is interested in molding us into selfless people who are willing to put him first in every area of our lives. And the reason he's interested in us submitting to him is because, believe it or not, God actually knows what is best for us. We cry out for the gifts and God says, you don't actually need that. What's better for you is something else. We think we know what is best. One aspect of him being God is that he is omniscient. In other words, God is all-knowing. He is all-knowing. And because God is all-knowing, he knows what challenges await us. He knows what are gonna ha- what's going to happen in our future and how we need to adequately prepare for that future. God literally knows all things and he's willing to lead us. He's willing to guide us so long as we're willing to allow him to do so and then we're going to trust his direction. But in order to trust him, we need to surrender every part of ourselves over to him. You can't half-heartedly commit to God. And that's why he says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. You need to love God with every part of your being. Not just with your heart. Not just with your soul and with your strength. 100% of your heart. 100% of your soul. 100% of your strength. It's not obedience. If you're not willing to offer God 100% and you're only going to give him 50%. God is not pleased with a half-hearted obedience if there is such a thing. If you were told as a kid to take out the garbage, what kind of obedience are you demonstrating when you only empty half of the garbage? Oh, you've taken out the garbage, right? You've done what was asked of you. Your parents should be thrilled at what you've done. Wrong. You can obey with all your might and not obey with all your heart and your soul. And that makes your obedience worth nothing. God's not interested in a show. God is interested in having all of you. It's easy to get sidetracked and believe that what God actually wants is for you to be prosperous here on earth. For you to enjoy great health and great wealth, especially when this is the message that is taught in much of mainstream Christianity. What we need to understand is that nowhere, nowhere in the Bible does God insist that our obedience to him will be met with such earthly prosperity. In fact, the Bible tells us, the Apostle Paul spoke of blessings of God in his life, not involving financial prosperity and success, but quite the opposite. Listen to his claims in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verses 23 to 31. He says, are they, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered suffered shipwreck, and night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is offended, and I burn not? If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities." The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. See, the blessing that the Apostle Paul describes there was not that he had financial prosperity, because once he was saved, he had none. He had none. 
But the blessing for him came in knowing that God had providentially delivered him through all these many trials that he gives a laundry list of. It wasn't great health and great wealth that he was concerned with. It was obeying Christ that he was concerned with. He was more concerned with his life lining up with the word of God so that he was dwelling under the shadow of the Almighty no matter the circumstance that he was faced with. The song of Paul's heart was nearer my God to thee. The last thing on his mind was seeking the wealth of the world. He wanted more of the giver than the gifts. He wanted more of God. The problem with modern Christianity is that our focus has shifted away from God and onto the things that God has offered. The Bible does discuss spiritual gifts that are offered to Christians, but even these gifts can be abused, the Bible says. And they can be used to take the glory away from God, which they were never designed to do. Because modern Christianity is all about an experience when you come to church and not actually learning about God, we focus on the gifts more than the actual giver. Many modern worship services are concentrated on healings and miracles. It is taught that God doesn't intend any person to ever get sick. Wouldn't that be nice? You would never get sick. God never intends for a person to get sick. Because sickness does not belong within the body of Christ. The problem with such a teaching is that it is completely unbiblical. Nowhere in the Bible can such an idea be substantiated where God doesn't want you to ever get sick. In fact, as evidenced through the life and testimony of the Apostle Paul, we could argue the opposite truth. That God never promised that any Christian would ever be entirely healthy. We have no reason to deny that God still works in miracles today. However, it must be clear that much of what we see going on today is completely counterfeit. Satan is using such vain appeals to systematically lead people away from God while convincing them that they're actually getting closer to God. People are buying into this idea that God is at work today the same way that he was working in the early days of the church throughout the book of Acts where people were miraculously healed every single day. Can God heal someone from sickness? Absolutely he can. The problem lies not in the ability of God to heal, but in what is being worshipped. God is not being worshipped in such settings, but the sickness being removed. The healer is not the focal point as he was throughout the book of Acts, but the healing. I believe that one of the reasons that we're seeing less miracles today in general than what we saw throughout the early days of the church throughout the book of Acts is that we've become relaxed in our worship of God. We've allowed anything and we've allowed everything new to take the place of our worship for God. The condition for blessing has always been the same. We see it stated in Isaiah chapter 59 and verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. That's a great verse. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. God is there. He is not powerless. He's powerful, all powerful. He can do whatever is necessary, but it goes on. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. There is something between us and God preventing that flow of blessing, preventing those miracles, preventing his hand of intervention, and it is our sin. God is not weaker today than he was years ago. His hand has not shortened to the point where he is unable to reach us in our hour of need. He has limited his blessings upon us because our sin stands between us and a holy God. We've been guilty of worshiping God's gifts instead of worshiping God as the giver. 
We love the gifts more than we actually love him. And therefore, the dispensing of God's gifts has essentially slowed to a trickle. Why would God reward our behavior when it is contrary to what he instructs? Someone has asked these several questions in response to how we should treat the gifts that God has given us. He said, how many of us would serve Christ if he offered nothing but himself? How many of us would serve Christ if he offered nothing but himself? No healing, no success, no prosperity, no worldly blessings, no miracles, no signs, nor wonders. What if, once again, we had to take joyfully the spoiling of our goods? What if we lost everything but only had Christ? What if instead of painless living, we suffered cruel mockings, stonings, bloodshed, being sawn asunder? What if instead of our beautiful homes and cars, we had to wander about in deserts wearing sheepskins and hiding in dens and caves? What if instead of prosperity, we were destitute, we were afflicted, and we were tormented? And the only better thing provided for us was to know that we had Christ. It really gets you thinking. It gets you thinking about what your mindset would be if all that we had was Christ and none of the other worldly blessings and worldly prosperity. And sadly, I think there are many that would turn away if all the blessings and the gifts were not part of the package. And due to the fact that what's being emphasized today is the blessings and prosperity in the world, we don't have solid Christians who are standing upon sound doctrine. They're power-hungry, thinking that more power in their Christianity will end up bringing more earthly success. Author Dave Wilkerson, he wrote, he said, Satan, Satan is not afraid of power-hungry saints, but he trembles at the sound of a praying saint. Power has taken on a whole new meaning in modern Christianity. And it is concentrated on seeing miracles and seeing lives changed through experiencing supernatural encounters with God. When experience becomes the focal point of the church, sad to say it, but the Bible takes a back seat. It's almost as if the Bible has become embarrassing to speak on because it doesn't relate to what the people of today want to hear. It's not what excites modern Christians. It's not what's going to keep them coming back week after week. So we come up with a new version or we throw it out altogether and we tell the people what they want to hear to make sure they'll come back. Listen to what we read in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16. The Bible says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. God's word never grows old, and it never stops being true. And we should never be ashamed of bringing it up and of speaking of it, for the power of God's word still changes lives today. We're seeing so much of a shift where people are more interested in pandering to what the world wants to hear so that we can make sure people come back to church. If the day ever comes that you hear me or anyone standing behind this pulpit preaching anything that isn't true to the word of God, you have my permission. In fact, I encourage you to drag that person out and throw them out because there's no business for anything but the word of God being taught from this pulpit. There is no place, no place for any compromised, 
watered-down nonsense to be taught in our churches. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The power of God is still there, and it's in the word of God. It's not in what we can do. It's not in what collectively we're going to be able to do in our own power. It is through the work and the preaching of the word of God. We're told in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 18 to 21, it says, The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You see, the power of God is not about signs. It's not about wonders. It's not about blessings and gifts and all sorts of earthly prosperity. The power of God is all about salvation and people are led to be saved through the preaching of the cross as foolishly as we're able to do it. There are times when I was in Bible college and we were going through ministerial class, we had to record our messages as if it wasn't bad enough that we had to preach knowing basically nothing. We had to record our message and then we had to critique ourselves as after we recorded it. So I had to watch a video of myself preaching and I have my face in my palm the entire time thinking, what in the world was I even doing? Um, even today, we record our messages and there are times I'm listening, I'm thinking, why are these people coming back? Do they not hear what I'm hearing? And it's, in every way, as the Bible describes it, it says, it has pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It is a wonder, it is a wonder that God entrusts us to preach his word. None of us are worthy. None of us are qualified to do such a thing. And yet he has equipped us in such a way that even through the foolishness of our preaching, and if you see my notes, you'd see how foolish they are because anyone that is an English major or has any sort of English and language background, you would cringe at my notes. They're almost entirely in one sentence. Um, it's, it's not that bad, but it, there's a lot of red squiggly lines on my screen as I'm typing it up. It is truly by the foolishness of preaching and the way it's done. And the reason is because we don't get the glory. It's not about us. It's about the word of God. And so when, 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 when someone's life changes through the preaching of the word, I don't take credit for it. I can't. It's not me. And that's what's so awesome about the way God does things because he uses anyone. He uses anyone and everyone. Regardless of, of what kind of background you have, if you went to Bible college or not, God's not concerned about that. God's concerned about a willing vessel that is going to take his word and present its truth effectively and efficiently to those that will hear it. And God's going to bring the increase. He's going to bring the increase as you're faithful to bring forth his word in an effective way. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The power of God is not about how eloquent you can speak or how much of a show you put on in church. It's not about the signs and wonders. It's about the word of God being brought forth. When the focus of the church becomes anything other than the preaching of the cross of Christ, then we've missed the mark and we're doing a disservice to our people. I don't care if we're filling the building every single week. We're leading people straight to hell thinking that they're saved. God will work all the other stuff out in his own, on his own will, in his own timing. But it's our responsibility to bring the people that we have God's truth and God's message. 
And this becomes possible when we're doing, as Deuteronomy chapter 6 tells us, when we're loving God first, when we're loving him according to what it says here. Notice again what it says. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Anything that emphasizes the gifts of God and the blessings of God and earthly prosperity will only harm the listeners. The Bible makes it clear that the power is not the gifts or the miracles or the prosperity, but in the preaching of the word of God. And this is incredibly humbling for any Christian who thinks that he is God's gift to humanity. It's not about any preacher. It is not about any Christian. It is all about Christ. No matter how much we may wish it were so, the Christian life is not, nor will it be, a life full of prosperity here on earth. The Christian life will have its share of ups and downs. It will be full of challenges. It will be full of hardships. But in the midst of it all will be the Savior firmly holding you through it all. In spite of all the sorrows of life. We as Christians are reassured in Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Did you catch that? God is working all things, he says. All things, the good as much as the bad, the favorable as much as the unfavorable. He's working them all together for them that love him. Not for them that love his gifts and everything else, but them that love him, he's working them all out for good. The Christian life is not about stuff and earthly prosperity. It's about loving God and confidently trusting in him, even though you have no idea how the rest of your life is going to turn out. I want to close with one final thought. And it's a, a quote from a sermon that Charles Spurgeon preached uh, over 100 years ago. And it may as well have been written today because as you listen to this, you'd think how applicable it is to what we see happening even today. But he says, do you think we love God for what we get out of him and for nothing else? Is that your notion of a Christian's love to God? This is how the ungodly talk. And that is what the devil thought was Job's case. Says he, does Job fear God for not? Hast thou not set a hedge about him and all that he has? The devil does not understand real love and real affection. But the child of God can tell the devil to his face that he loves God if he covers him with sores and sets him on the dunghill. And by God's good help, he means to cling to God through troubles tenfold heavier than those he has had to bear should they come upon him. Is he not a blessed God? Yes, let the beds of our sickness ring with it. He is a blessed God. In the night watches, when we are weary, and our brain is hot and fevered, and our soul is distracted, we yet confess that he is a blessed God. Every ward of the hospital where believers are found should echo with that note. A blessed God? Yes, that he is, say the poor and the needy. And so say all God's poor throughout all the land. A blessed God? Yes, say his dying people. As he slays us, we will bless his name. He loves us, and we love him. And though all his waves go over us, and his wrath lieth sore upon us, 
We would not change with kings on their thrones if they are without the love of God. So my question to you this morning is, do you love God more? Do you love God more than the gifts that he has given? Would you bow with me in prayer today? Heavenly Father, we thank you, the Lord, for the reminder that we so desperately need. Lord, to love you more than the blessings, love you more than the gifts that come our way. Lord, as a result of obedience to you. I pray, Lord, that you would humble us. Lord, that you would help us to realize that this Christian life is not about what is in store for us, but, Lord, how much you love us and how you have promised us yourself. I ask, Lord, that you would help us to see things in a proper perspective. Lord, to never lose sight, even in the blessings that are bestowed upon us, to never lose sight of the fact that it's not the blessing, it's not the gift that is worth celebrating, but the one who has given us all things. You are the one and the only one that is worthy of all worship and all praise. May we praise you. May we desire, Lord, to be closer to you, that we may truly love you more than anything else. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.